Squad Radio, the music you want. With your host, Keys Dan. Who's the monkey? RadioWhat.com. What's up, party people? It's Keys Dan with RadioWhat.com, DJLittleRock.com, coming to you live and in living color from the Radio What Studios. And this is my podcast, What Makes You Famous? It's an extension of the RadioWhat.com internet radio station that I've been running for quite some time. And if you need DJ services, where do I always tell you to go? DJLittleRock.com. Let me say that one more time. DJLittleRock.com. Check availability and get a free price quote. And maybe you can have me. Yes, me at your next event. I like to party with the people. The people need to be entertained. Speaking of the people need to be entertained, today on the program, I have Mikhailin. Mikhailin Hay. Who's that? You're going to find out in the next few minutes. So stick around. This week's shows, I'll be at the Rab in Conway, Arkansas on Friday night. My usual Friday night gig. It's a video dance party, karaoke jam, full bar, kitchens open, pool tables. In fact, they have a pool tournament on Friday nights that starts at 8 p.m. So if you want to make some money on a Friday night, or at least try, try your skill at pool while you're waiting to sing on the stage right next to me. I encourage you to check out the pool tournament. Now, if you don't want to get in the pool tournament, they got 10 diamond tables. They usually save at least one or two for the people that, that the casual pool players. Yeah, those folks. All right. Always a good time at the RAB. Friday night, 8 p.m. until I think we're going till at least one in the morning. Yeah, one in the a.m. And then on Saturday night, I'll be at the Choctaw VFW. Uh, once again, video dance party karaoke jam. Yes. And that's a big stage. Big room. They got pool tables, full bar. Yeah, that place is always fun, too. Good people. I always have a good time at the Rab in Conway. That's a nice big room. And then the Choctaw VFW in Choctaw, Arkansas. Yeah, good times this weekend. And, of course, I'll be doing a lot of podcasting. <laughs> so stick around for that. Stay tuned. All right. I think I've done enough intro. Let's get into it with McKaylin Hay. Skyping. Oh, yeah. If you're just listening to the audio version of this, I encourage you to check out the video version on my YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash user forward slash keys, Dan, or just look up radio, what.com on YouTube, and I'm sure you'll find it <laughs> and you'll get to see McKaylin's face right next to mine. All right, let's Skype her Skyping McKaylin. Hey, now. Michaelin. See, I was going to say yes. Michaelin, and I'm sure that happens all the time. <laughs> all the time. All the time. So Michaelin, who came up with that? My parents, um, it was, they thought I was going to be a boy, basically. And then um, they loved the name Kaelin, but um, I was a girl and they were like, okay, well, what's the like girl version of that? And it's like a Celtic name and I'm part Irish. So it just fit. Oh, shoot. I should have worn my kilt. I have an Irish kilt yeah. sitting right there in the closet. I <laughs> sold mine today. Well, I bought, I also bought a, a, um, like a utility kilt and I got yeah. it and I haven't even worn it. I haven't even taken it out of the, 
the package yet. It's been sitting there for, oh, it's got to be one month. I haven't found a place where I want to wear it, which really you can wear it anywhere. You can wear it anywhere, anytime, any place uh, for any function, any occasion. Uh, What other Irish things do you have? You said you just sold your kilt. I had two kilts, but they were for my school uniform. So it wasn't really like for traditional reasons. I don't know. We have like some shamrock stuff around the house, stuff for my great grandma. So mm-hmm. so what what kind of schooling was it that you needed to have a uniform? I, I, I went to Catholic school and we had to yeah. have uniform. Yeah, me too. It was a Catholic school. Catholic schools. St. Monica uh, Catholic School in Miami, Florida was where I went. And I remember one year, I don't remember the exact, uh, whether it was blue uh, one year and then it was, it was green, uh, for part of the time I went uh, from first, no, from second to sixth grade to Catholic school. What, are oh, wow. you still going to Catholic school? I graduated this year. <gasps> Mazel tov. <laughs> yeah, so. Was your school where the hallways outside? Uh, yes. The thing in Florida. Yes. The hallways were outside and that was oh in the Catholic school, but in the, in the public school that I went to after sixth grade, I went to seventh through, uh, through senior year in another school, Western high school and P- pioneer middle school in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So just, a uh, about a half hour up the street. Yeah. And, um, but th- those were indoor and the hallways were inside, but the Catholic uh, school, there was a church. And I remember going to, to mass and there was some school, the p- part of the school was religious as well. Is I mean, is, did you go your whole school life to Catholic school? Yeah, but there was no uniforms until grade nine. So I was, yeah, I was in Catholic school. I was in Catholic French school. And then uh, when I moved to Southern Ontario, the French education wasn't as good. So then it was just regular old Catholic school. Where did you move from? I moved from Sudbury, Ontario, which is in Northern Ontario. Okay. See, I don't know geography, but I will look this up a little bit later. And find out yeah. where all this is. is. It, it, Ontario, is that East Coast? It's um, Eastern side. Okay. I'd say it's not quite East Coast, but it's on the Eastern side. So no ocean for you? No ocean, just the Great Lakes. Oh, well, great. How great are the lakes? I mean, they're pretty like E. coli infested, but some of them are good. I heard eerie was pretty eerie. Yeah. <laughs> it lives yeah. up to its name. Should I put in my headphones? If you'd like, it doesn't matter. I mean, if you can hear me better. Yeah. It sounds real good to me. (laughs) I noticed you have the AirPods. Whenever whenever I see somebody wearing the AirPods, it it looks like maybe somebody's got a straw uh, coming out of their brain. (laughs) I love AirPods. Like, they're so convenient. Mm -hmm. And I I used to always be like, oh, they're so stupid. And then I got them and I was like, okay, never mind. I understand. Believe the hype. Yeah, there's a lot of things yeah. like that 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 I've been coming across that uh, lately. Uh, my uh, wait, okay, Michael Lynn, Michael Lynn, McKaylin, McKaylin, See, I did that. I, I'm a there dunce. You go. Let me put the dunce cap on right now. Go sit in the corner. No, I want to go back to to Catholic okay. school. I want to go back to Catholic school because I remember in Catholic school I, we had one nun if, that I remember. She was the principal of the school, and I remember we had. A, a priest, I remember, and every time I asked him any questions, it would be, "It's a mystery. It's a mystery." If there was something okay. he couldn't under, he couldn't answer the question yeah. to, it's a mystery. But then I remember that I had uh, yeah. most of my instructors were 
secular instructors. And the one I remember the most was Mr. Aikman. He was from Africa and he, he was, man, what a great teacher. Kind of reminded me of Lionel Richie in, in, in his looks. Wow. And, and, but, uh, and in his mannerisms, he was always cool. He wore the traditional African garb, but he did teach, you know, the Catholic, uh, uh the curriculum, uh, both secular and religious teachings as well. Uh, were you in, ingrained with a lot of religion? Did you, were you brought up Catholics? I was brought up Catholic. Um, and like my parents are Catholic. Well, my mom is Catholic. My dad is Catholic. Um, my, like my grandparents and stuff are Catholic, but my, like, we didn't have any nuns at our school or anything like that. We just had, um, teachers basically. And like, yeah, the Catholic education system. So I get it. Okay. Yeah. My mom was Catholic ish. Uh, dad, I really didn't yeah. know him all that well. Uh, for, from what I understand, he's the Irish part. And I took that tradition from him. Uh, mom is the, the Cuban part. So I got the Spanish part, the South Florida, you know, anybody yeah. from South Florida gets touched by, by the Latin uh, community there. So I, I'm a piece of that, uh, a product of that. But you have a little bit of French in you as well? Or, or was that just something you were learning yeah. in school? Yeah. So my grandma is French Canadian. And so I'm, she's like fully French Canadian. So that's where I get that side of me. Can you speak fully French? I can speak a little bit of French. And if you plot me down in a French speaking community, I understand what's going on and I can try to like communicate with you. I might not have the best luck. I'm not like totally bilingual, but I know a little bit. Yeah, that's where I'm at with my Spanish. I, I know enough Spanish to where I was working on a Spanish a bilingual radio station down in Miami, which mm -hmm. really that is the way to go if you're going to be uh, trying to to cater to the younger population in Miami, Florida. And I'm guessing the younger population may be in Ontario as well. If you wanted to have a bilingual station where I think we had, well, I was the program director. So not, I think I know uh, we had two English songs and two Spanish songs, and that was our format. Mm -hmm. So I imagine with the second or third generation, the young people that are there in Ontario, if you had two French, and two English, that might go over well. Are there any kind of those radio stations in, in town? Not where I live, not in Southern Ontario. Southern Ontario is not very French speaking. It's all just like you take French in school and that's all you know. But in Northern Ontario, I know like majority, like so many of the smaller towns in Northern Ontario speak French. So I'm pretty sure that that would go over well there, but not here because nobody speaks it. Well, McKaylin, hey, don't lose your bilingualness. I, I've I've gotten so many jobs with uh, knowing Spanish that I was not qualified for at all. You know, mm -hmm. I, oh, you speak Spanish pretty fluently? Yeah, come on in. Come on in. Uh, yeah. But this is rocket science. I have no degree in this. Yeah, come on in. Come on in. We we need we need a translator. No, I I got uh, a job at the at the um what well, the radio station for one, and then in the hospital I was an EMT. And, but I was a new EMT when I applied for the job, but because I spoke Spanish, I got the job. So is exactly. it like that with the French in, in Ontario or is it more Quebec? Is Quebec pretty close, butted up against uh, Ontario? Quebec is very French. They are very proud of being French and it's like a very French community that places French over English. And then um, there's a few other provinces that are also either 
fully bilingual like um, New Brunswick is. Um, Ontario, not as much. So definitely in Quebec, French is the first language of everyone there. Now, where else have you been in the world in your in your young life? Uh, we're we're here to talk about your music primarily, uh, the the uh, budding career that you have. And I know that I've been perusing your your various social medias and especially your your YouTube. It really showcases your talents as well. But you know, I, I but wading through your YouTube, I, I see a lot of covers. But then I noticed that you lent your voice to like an electronica song, like you vocalized yeah. on this song. I guess there was a DJ slash producer that you were working mm-hmm. with. And that one just set it, set it off. Okay. Cause your covers are wonderful, Thank you. but that song, you work well with others. You have great vocalization. Uh, you know, that project, was that a newer project or, or, you know, was that one of the older ones? So that, all of the, I have like quite a bit of EDM stuff that's either out or coming out. And, um, the story behind that is it's a Brazilian record label that reached out to me and they asked if I had any songs that they could remix. And I was like, yeah, for sure. I gave them a bunch of songs that were just kind of, um, sitting like I wasn't doing too much with them. And then they ended up remixing those songs and putting them out with their label in Brazil. And the songs are doing great. That's a X, so it's really exciting. X-tro. Now, have you ever met met Xtro? He is actually my best friend. What? Yeah. And, okay, and you got to yeah, give credit where credit is due. Very close. Where was that filmed? Because that that studio looks w- wonderful. It looks, you know, all bathed in purple. I, I've just started doing gaming, and I think I need to put like a purple light behind me when I'm doing my streaming and gaming yeah. videos. But that looks like a really nice studio that hey perhaps it can be a a gaming studio but is that his room the studio in the video is his basement fantastic i mean that that's something that um people these days oh do i have to be signed for a record label no you don't for about you know a thousand bucks or so you can get yourself a pretty good system now from what i'm seeing here he, he spent quite a bit more money but you can get a good enough system to where you can record your voice you know microphone, computer, mixing board. You can get a little bit of a demo. Do you have this kind of equipment in your house? Yeah, I have like, I'm not as into the production side, but I do like have stuff that I could film my own covers, make my own lives, make my own videos, do demos. Um, But luckily for me, like I said, my best friend's a producer, so I tend to use him for that. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Now, did you know he was a producer before he's your best friend or the best friend? And then, oh, you're a producer too? How about that? It's kind of a funny story. He found me on SoundCloud and asked me to top or not top line, but sing his song, redo the vocals and sing it. So I met him and he's a year older than me. We met. Um, I recorded the song, thought that that would be that. And then he was like, we can film a video. So I was like, of course. Um, and he's actually also an amazing videographer. He had like, his pictures featured in Canadian Geographic. Like he is a photographer also. He's really good at like everything he does. And um, he, so I went down, we shot a music video after knowing each other for like two days. And it was like a 10 hour like shoot. And it was me, him and his mom. And then we were like, maybe we should write a song together and just see how it goes. And we ended up writing a whole EP. And the first few writes were like so awkward. But then we started like warming up to each other and he's my best friend now. 
That's fantastic. It's great how people meet like that. Now, I have talked to a lot of people on this podcast, and I did talk to uh, some Instagram models, some cosplayers, and you know, like lady cosplayers. For some reason, they seem to marry photographers. Hmm. Huh. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Huh. It's funny how that works out, you know. And you being, you know, mm-hmm. a, a great vocalist. I mean, do you write any of the songs? Because I've seen that you play some instruments, at least piano. Uh, do you do you write songs as well? Yeah. yeah, I write all my own music. And how many songs so. have you written? And when did that start happening? Was that in Catholic school? That was that was in my early Catholic school days. Um, I used to actually get in trouble for telling stories on the bus. And so I started writing down my stories. And I've always been a huge reader. And that's like something that I've loved forever. So I, I was like, I like singing and I like I'm going to be an author. So I'm going to combine the two. And I wrote my first song like on paper when I was seven and it's called lollipop land. I still have it somewhere. I don't know where it went, but, um, that's kind of how I got started. And I'm lucky because my, my dad is super supportive. My parents are great. And, um, they, they were like, okay, they put me in piano lessons when I was five. So I was able to put my words to music and they, we're like, all right, she's doing this, so we're going to support her. And they got me into like the Songwriters Association of Canada. They got me all the tools I needed. So it was, it was great. It was like an easy transition. See, parents, if you're listening, support your children, whatever they want to do. You know, Because right now, while you're young, in your 20s, in your teens, in your 20s, all the way up until about 30, you can do whatever you want. Fall down on your face. You will get back up again. You're made of rubber. You know, you have Wolverine powers. You, you can try and fail things. So that's fantastic. Any creatives in the family? Mom, dad, brothers, sisters? So it's actually kind of funny. My parents are both athletes. My dad is a like a world-class triathlete. My mom was an Olympic qualifier runner. So they had kids and everyone was like, oh my God, these kids are going to be D1, like amazing. My dad's six foot five. My mom's five, seven. They're like, these kids are going to be monsters. First is me. I'm the oldest. And I'm like, I hate sports. I hate basketball. I want to do piano. Second comes my middle sister, who's just like mellow. She does play basketball, um, but she's just like kind of floats through it. And then my youngest sister does theater. So um, to answer your question, not exactly. My mom did. She was in a band with her sisters growing up because of church. They did all the church songs. And then my dad also comes from a family that like at family events, like they'd bust out the instruments and everyone would start singing, but there was never like really much emphasis on creativity in their lives. But sport was their big thing. Man. Yeah. You mentioned so. that, that you were telling stories on the school bus and I could see if you start telling secular stories in a Catholic school, you might get in trouble for that. Yeah. Okay. You mm-hmm. kind of glossed over that, but, but yeah, I was kind of, kind of making an image on that. But your parents, man, uh, Olympic athletes, I mean, are, are qualifying athletes. That, that, I mean, did they have, did they try to push you into, here's a ball. Here you go. First of all, they wanted to have yeah. a boy, you know, or they thought maybe they were going to have a boy yeah. named Kaylin. Okay. And three then girls. here comes Mick Kaylin, three girls uh, with uh, dad, you know, this uh, island of testosterone and a sea of estrogen. I mean, how, how did he take it? Was he trying to make you play catch ever? Oh my God. He, he, um, 
like actually I feel like it's more my mom that is the one that's like why are you not an athlete but um like my mom's a basketball coach now she coaches my sister's team but I was put into soccer swimming um basketball any sport that I expressed an interest in they'd just like jump on it I'd probably hate it by the second round I have zero hand-eye coordination it sucks it's so bad um but I actually did end up playing basketball for quite some time and it it kind of was crappy because my aunt was really really big in Canadian basketball so the second people found out that oh my god that's Christine Stapleton's niece and they'd be like I know your aunt I'm like well don't expect much because I can't get it in the hoop type of thing so it was it was a it was a bit of a mess growing up well I mean it sounds like your mom and dad were throwing you the tools you know trying to give you the tools to see Hey, see what sticks. And, you know, your aunt, yeah. uh, you had to live up to that expectation. Sounds like the town might. Is it kind of a smaller town that you live in? Do, do people know each other? Um, Everyone of my mom, my mom has four sisters, so they're all spread out. And then if you know one of the sisters, you know all of them. Um, But like for things like basketball, the basketball community may be big, but it's also small. So like my aunt was well known so that she knows all the coaches and then the coaches put two and two together and you're like, Oh, look at this weird little giant. Like, honestly, you can lead the horse to water, but I definitely did not drink. Nope. <laughs> so, well, that's all right. I mean, it sounds like the, the, the people in, in the, in that area are similar to the, well, I guess the, the music community here in Arkansas and I guess the surrounding States, Tennessee, Texas, Oklahoma, even Missouri, just above, kind of, yeah. you know, they, they all know each other, the people that, that play music around here. And in fact, there's a place called TC's on Sunday night. They do a Sunday night jam where you have people from various bands coming together. Oh, the guitarist from that band is with the vocalist from that band and the, the drummer from that band. Oh, and I did see one of the videos where you had a drummer with you. Um, go ahead. I, I like to give credit where credit is due. Tell me about the drummer that was in that video. Do you remember? I'm trying to think of which video it is, but it might be, um, it might've been the, um, the gig I got. Is it a more recent video? Yeah, There was a, let's see, is a lady, oh, no, a lady what? drummer circles with Cena on drums. Yes. Okay. So that is my friend, Cena. She's German. She's from Germany. She reached out to me from, uh, over YouTube and she is absolutely amazing. She cracked, like she gets those tracks out so fast. Um, her whole full-time job is YouTube and Patreon and she's been amazing. Like it's so much fun to work with her. She's so professional and so many of people that are my fans now actually came from her. So I love Cena. She's so talented. And you've never met her in person. Nope. I love I want to go to Germany. One yeah. I day, love so that. Maybe I will. But. I love that the internet can be used for good now. I mean, you know, it can be used for good as well as evil. You know, I, I was talking to a, a gentleman in Australia, guitarist, and then he, he made a, a record with a, a bassist in, in the Middle East. And then his drummer is in Germany. Hey, maybe Germany has great drummers. It's possible. I, I think that might be a yeah. thing. But he put all, you know, they put all their tracks together. Now, how did this video come about? I guess, did you, oh, did, did you, you sent her a video of yourself singing the song and then she put it together. You said she's good at that. Yeah. So her and her dad are kind of a team and they put it together. Um, and all they ask is they say, you sing it in front of a black screen and we will make the video. 
I'm like, awesome. It is awesome. That's fantastic that you can, you can do that. Okay. You're telling the people, you're teaching the people that they can, they have creative uh, outlets. You know, if you don't have somebody in town, you could always reach out over the internet and there it is, Uh, you know, and, but you, uh, now, now let's go back to your, your best friend, Extro. He lives close to you in town. He lives. So I live in Guelph, which I do not expect you to know where that is. Um, it's like a small city and then Toronto is, um, the bigger one that a lot of people know. So when I tell people where I'm from, I usually just say Toronto, but it is depending on the speed you're going and depending who you're driving with for me and my dad, it's a 45 minute drive for other people. It's an hour and a half. (laughs) So it's too far. At least for me, like, I don't know why it takes him so long to get to Guelph, but for me, it's like 45 minutes to an hour if traffic's good. And so I consider that close enough. All right. Um, McKaylin, I'm guessing that your dad taught you how to drive. Yeah, I spent a lot of time driving with him, so I picked up on his driving habits. (laughs) I was reading reading the texts um, accidentally. It just popped up on my laptop screen of when my mom drove with me to Toronto and she was like, she's driving 140 with one hand on the wheel. I can't do this. <laughs> I was like, yeah, oh well, God, gave my mom a heart attack. 140 kilometers per hour is about what, Long 70 it. or maybe maybe 80 miles an hour, somewhere around there. Uh, trying, I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to remember uh, my calculation. I know 120 is about 60. If I, No, 100 is about 60 or so. So yeah, yeah, okay. You were driving pretty fast, but uh, you know, when you got to the location, did you uh, turn to your mom and say, "But did you die?" <laughs> I said I was going the flow of traffic, and she said there was nobody behind or in front of you. I told so, I told a police I, officer I to- one side. I, one time when I was on the highway, I told a police officer, "Oh, I was keeping up with the flow of traffic," and he said, "Oh, there's no traffic around." I said, "You see how far ahead they are." Exactly. Exactly. Mic <laughs> drop. That's all you need to say. I had to catch up. <laughs> yeah. All right. Having a good time. That. I'm having a good time, McAllen. Oh, but no, really. Okay. Let's go back. Uh, you say you started singing and writing at seven years old. Was I mean, was that uh, did you did you sing the hymns in in choir or was this all? you know, listening to the radio, what were you, what were you doing at that time? Um, the first song that I ever sang live was at my school talent show and it was Irish lullaby. And, um, that was like the first time I ever got up on stage and then I just never really stopped. I mean, yeah, it was like that songs from the radio. Um, I would write my own songs. They're usually pretty dumb. Oh, know what it was? It was a lot of ABBA. And I don't know if you remember sing star on play station it was this old thing like i don't think it's around anymore but it's basically you can sing over covers of songs with the youtube video playing in the background and it would like you'd have to sing on pitch or else it'd give you like mean faces and stuff and i remember my mom one time being like you were flat and i was like so mad and i was like i'm gonna write my own song so that i will never be flat because that's how i thought it worked um at the time i was like seven and that was the beginning. McKaylin, I, I, I know that game and I know you can cheat at that game. You can go eh, oh, eh, eh, ooh, ah, ah, and get like perfect score really? on it. Did you do that? Did you ever do that? No, I'm 
smart enough to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw it on a TV show one time. It might have been Tina Fey or something like that. But she was saying, oh, you could beat this. And it was just hitting the notes, uh, you know, right on pitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So wait, how how old were you when you sang Tura Lura Lura? Was that seven years old? Oh, my old? God. Song. Oh. So many people don't know that song when I talk about it. Um, I was five. Five years old. How sweet is that? Oh, my goodness. A five-year-old uh, Michaelin singing for the people. I mean, how many people were at the talent show? All the parents, all the kids. I, yeah, my school in Sudbury was smaller. I think it was like probably like two, three hundred people would have been there. But I remember making my dad film it, and I was like, "Put it on YouTube." Like I thought in my five-year-old head that I was gonna be famous, and I think he put it like on Google, like Google videos or something, because I never was able to find it on YouTube. But I was so happy with it. Like I gotta ridiculous. find that. I, I gotta scrub. I mean, I know Google pretty much took a dump. No, yeah, Google pretty much took a dump now. You know, they they were trying to do some kind of a of a friend space, MySpace, uh, you know, Facebook type of thing, and they said, "Eh, "This is too hard. Let's just let's scrap this." But uh, you know, I all right, Steve Martin in uh in a movie, oh, was it called a like uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels sang a version of that song. And that was probably one of the coolest versions of it because he was he was pretending to be somebody else. And um, they said, oh, do you remember the song that you used to sing to your father? And he was like, no, I don't remember it all. And then all of a sudden, Steve Martin bust out with, you know, oh, sweet daddy, don't you cry. Oh, my goodness. I can imagine a five-year-old Michaelin singing that. How, how did how did the people respond? How did how did you feel? My goodness, five years old. How sweet is that? I felt great. I mean, I remember I closed the talent show and I thought I was so cool. And then I moved like literally like two months later, never came back. I'm going to connect my headphones quickly okay. in case there's still a delay because I've seen hearing one. So this okay. might make it worse, but we're going to cross our fingers. No, no delay at all. It was sounding really good. Yeah, it was sounding real good. <laughs> And of course, now, now is when I lose your voice, uh, the miracle of modern technology. You were sounding just fine before that. <laughs> okay. And you're well, back. Wait, what? <laughs> yep. No. Okay. Are you, all right. That, and I know uh, there's a lot of ways that you can get on Skype. And for the people that are listening, we're using Skype and this is, it's a little clunky, but at least we get to see each other. And if you're listening to just the audio version of it, I encourage you to slip on over to my YouTube and you will see the video version. So you can see McKaylin's face right next to mine, right there. Yeah. I'm as I'm pointing, I'm actually pointing at you in my in my broadcast software. <laughs> I believe, yeah. Yay. All right. So uh man, uh, oh, how sweet is that? So five years old and you you couldn't capitalize on that because you moved. Uh okay. But then you go to a new town. And you can uh, re rework yourself. You can uh, redefine yourself. Being a new kid, it was. Did you find being a new kid uh, a bad experience or a good experience? How did you? How did it present itself? Um, I've always been a very like extroverted social person, so I was able to kind of like get into the groove of being at a new school like pretty easily. Um, and I, from what I remember, I really 
was fine with it. I mean, I had like a few bad days where I was like, I want to move back, but otherwise it was pretty good. Well, that's cool. But that's where you ended up spending the rest of your school career. And that's where you find yourself now, right? Yeah. Super. All right. So growing, growing up through the years, well, I mean, what was the first instrument that you, you started playing? Was it the parents sent you to piano lessons? That was your first uh, foray into music playing. Now, how was that taking lessons? Do you, you can actually read music. I talked to so many people on this podcast that they don't, they not know how to read music at all. They, if they play guitar, it's using tabs. If they play piano, it's by ear, but you can actually read, read and, and write music. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, like I've been taking it since I was five. And then when we moved to Guelph, I started doing the RCM exams. I hated those. I hated those. I walked out of every single one crying because I just, I didn't like, I was always like, I failed. I failed. That's it. But, um, piano was my first instrument. I never actually did fail an RCM exam. I was just being dumb. And then a few months ago, I picked up guitar. Well, for the morons like me, what's an RCM exam? It, oh, I don't know if it's um American too. It's a Royal Conservatory of Music. Yeah, it wouldn't be here. It, it wouldn't be here, but there's an exam for it. Yeah. Do you have to play music or do you have to answer questions or both? It's like both from what I remember. Um, you go in, you play your three or four pieces, depending on what grade conservatory you're in. And then um, you do ear training, which I always loved. And then you do sight reading and rhythm reading, which was always the part that stressed me out the most because I avoided, I used to teach myself everything by ear, even though I had the sheet music there. So I would pretend to my teachers that I was reading it. I'd go home, I'd listen to it a couple of times and then I'd get it, come back to my lesson and they'd think I like, Sight read it, but I never actually did until like way later on in piano when I discovered I can't avoid it. And so that was always the part of my exams that just I would look at the first two notes and then I'd be like, okay, we're just gonna we're just gonna go for it. <laughs> and then, yeah. yeah. So well, McKaylin, they were for, stressful for me. Uh, not not knowing how to play music, I have a full piano in my house. My fourteen year old daughter plays it. Uh, you know, but. And I have three guitars. I can play a couple of chords here and there, but nothing I, w- I would call professional. I- I'm so jealous. But from what I understand, when you learn how to play piano and you learn how to read the sheet music for a piano, that can lead you into every other instrument. Is that proper? I- am I saying that right? Um, I've only tried uh, guitar, but it has been great so far. I feel like I've picked up on it pretty fast because of piano, because I know what the chords sound like. And so it was weird going from playing an instrument for, I don't even know how many years, like a really long time to like being brand new and bad at an instrument. I was kind of like, I hate this. Like I suck, but then I, I fell in love with it. I love guitar. I need to get better so that I can play what I'm hearing in my head. I think I'm catching the type of personality that you, you are. You want to be great at things right away. You don't want to, to be a failure yeah. at anything. And that, that's going to, that that's very telling about you. That tells me that that whatever you do, you're going to strive to be the best at it. Uh, so uh, that's a that's a good trait. It's a good quality. It could be a little frustrating at first, like learning math or learning, uh, you know, writing or anything, how, how to do these things. But um, you know, or or even comedy or even broadcasting. You know, I, I'm still learning. 51 years old. I've been doing this since 1986. I'm not the best broadcaster. I just have an idea of what good equipment is. 
and I like talking to people and I'm talking to you and I'm going to, man, I, every time I say your name, I have to think about it so much because, you know, uh, Michaelin, Michaelin, because my Kaylin. Yes. Okay. Because I remember as a boy, if you were a boy, you'd be named Kaylin and that's how people are going to remember your name. And if I keep saying my, my Kaylin, Hey, people will remember your name. I'm going to drill it into their head because I'm drilling it into, into my head. <laughs> yeah. It's like kale vegetable, the leafy green that nobody really likes. All right. Okay. So you say you weren't much of an athlete, but, um, I mean, growing up with athlete athletes, how were you eating? Cause you stay, uh, you know, fit, you stay in a, in a, in a good shape. Does was mom and dad teaching you how to eat properly and exercise? Or, you know, how, how was that growing up on that side? They were really like, I mean, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I should probably know this. I think my mom like studied kin or phys ed or something in, in university. So she like kind of has that sort of background. Um, but my dad is the biggest sweet tooth. Like he has been making cookies like every other day, as long as I remember. So their whole thing is like, you can eat what you want if you just exercise or you can eat what you want like like they were never really strict which i'm glad because i've had like the experience to try lots of foods and you know there's nights where we eat super healthy and then tonight we eat chicken nuggets and fries so it's a nice balance well i remember when i was trying to be a firefighter and in an emt i was running every day and i was exercising so much so i can eat whatever i want so i'm i'm with you on that side of the uh of the theory but then if you stop exercising and you still remain eating what you want, this is what happens. This is what happens. You have to stay on that regimen you know, of exercising. And, and, and you know, COVID then you can pretty much eat what you want. I'm sorry, say it. COVID's been a challenge for me because gyms are closed. And that was my main source of exercise. And now I'm just like, what, what do I do now? <laughs> yeah, I was talking to somebody about that as well. Uh, you're gaining uh, like quarantine pounds. I think everybody is. Is, is having that problem of trying to figure out how to exercise. There's a lot of people, I mean, well, me for, for sure, if I'm not going to a gym, I don't have that discipline to get on the treadmill, uh, you know, that's right there or pick up those weights that are right there. Uh, you know, if I, if I don't have a gym that I'm going to specifically to go work out, yeah, I, I, I gain a few more LBs. I do. Oh, sad. I feel like you get in a different mindset when you go to a gym. And for me, like, it's not like, I mean, I probably could if I trained, but right now I cannot run. I don't like it. It hurts my lungs. It hurts my ankle. I broke my ankle in grade nine. My parents were like, no, you didn't. It's fine. Just let it heal on its own. And then I rebroke it when I was in Peru last year. So then like I have a permanent cankle and it hurts when I run. No, I know. Okay. When, it, when I was in school, I was a swimmer, so I stayed in pretty good shape. But then after school, I went to college, to university, and I studied, you know, broadcasting and certain other things and, and, you know, psychology and what have you. And I started to gain the weight, but then I wanted to get into fire uh, school and, and go to, uh, and be a firefighter. So I ran. So I know that running is the only thing that tears it off of me. I've never been a good runner, you know, like never had a good stride, but I know you know, I've run 26 miles, you know, I've run marathons. I've, you know, I run yeah. five miles a day because I had that desire that, that want to get this goal. And that's, you know, if you want it, you get it. And, 
right now, I, I guess I don't have that desire, that goal, but I, I see people that are in good shape and I go, man, I need to, I need to turn this Titanic around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Eventually I, I will. feel that for sure. Oh, for sure. Okay. So you started playing piano and piano took you, uh, through, uh, quite a bit of your school, but when did you pick up the guitar? How long ago was that? Last year. Wow. And you feel like you're getting pr proficient enough to play uh, at least on videos? Yeah, a little bit. Like I'll incorporate it into my lives um, sometimes, like whenever I feel like it. And um, I love my guitar teacher. He's great. So it's it's been a lot of fun learning for sure. Well, you've, you've hit the nail on the head. You, you're thanking teachers. Mom being a teacher, that's wonderful. You know, once she learned you know, how to become a, 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 an Olympic finalist. And then she in, is in turn teaching the next generation on how, you know, that's what we have to do mm. is once we learn something, we teach others and you're giving it up to your teacher, your, your piano teacher. I guess you didn't like it so much, but you, you know, you fought with it a little bit, but now you realize that, Hey, learning how to read music was, you know, beneficial to what you want to do was, for the rest of your life. Yeah, like, that was the thing I did um, for the first few years I lived in Guelph. I was at a piano school that was very RCM based. And then I met my actual piano teacher and um, actual vocal coach. And they were amazing in helping teach me because they saw how I was. They saw like my strengths and my weaknesses. And then they hated, like they made my weaknesses. They made it fun. They made it a challenge. And they are gen like they're so important to me. They're two of the most important people well, in my entire life. They've like impacted me so much. Well, give credit where credit is due. Give them a shout out. Go ahead. Ben and Melanie Jokola. Jokola. I still can't pronounce their last name, and I've known them since I was for ten years now. For ten years. <laughs> I always like to give credit where credit is due. Definitely the people that help you on the way up. You know, for people that that think, oh, that guy is a star. That girl's a star. But there's a whole team of people. Usually, if once they get to that certain level, you need people helping you on the way up. Yes, anybody can crack open their Facebook yeah. Live and 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 you know play a song, you know something on that level, not a problem. But to actually produce a song, you need a, a, a best friend, an ex an ex row. I I totally forgot his name now. Extra, <laughs> extra. That's right. You need an extra. You need somebody in your corner that's helping you to, to make it bigger. Are you, have you, all right. Since that, that five-year-old, um, uh, McKaylin was, uh, was on stage in front of that, uh, in front of that talent show, what other shows have you done since then to help you uh, build your, your, uh, your will to be a performer? Um, quite a few. I mean, I started gigging regularly when I was 11 years old, which was super great because it prepared me for, for, um, like bigger gigs. So some of the bigger ones I've done was like, um, I opened for two bigger Canadian artists, Tyler Shaw and Virginia to Vegas. And, um, that was for a foundation and it was so much fun. I've gotten into corporate gigs, which is always fun because is you get to dress up and be all fancy and that type of thing. And um, I had a bigger showcase of my own, which was amazing. And then I had a gig that was going to be super big and super fun. It was a cancer benefit. And then they kicked me out because I was underage. So that sucked. But I got to sing two of my songs. 
Oh, <laughs> wait, it's a cancer benefit. Anybody should be able to get into that. Yeah, tell it to Patrick the Bouncer. Oh, my God. This guy was the worst. Patrick. Literally, that was me. That was me in front of Lee's Palace. I made my friends leave bad reviews on their page. <laughs> oh, no. No, no. Only on Patrick's page. You can't You can't uh, uh, yeah, sink no, somebody's no, business. Is mean. What's that? Patrick is mean. No, my one friend wrote, Patrick is mean. Okay, okay. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to sink somebody's business just because one one employee was a uh, uh, problematic. <laughs> Uh, I'm not God, one no, for we leaving. Only talked about Patrick. That was because he was super. Like it wasn't just us that had really bad experiences that night. We heard from other people, and it was really bad. He was very, very like what's the word? Um, God complex mean. Yes, it sounds like he was a very unsportsmanlike fellow. I'm sorry you had a problem yeah. with him. I'm sorry to the people that they had problems with this person. I was a bouncer down in the Florida Keys, and I remember people used to come down to the Florida Keys as a destination and do uh, and do ungodly things, just drink until they couldn't see anymore. And, and, and they'd say, oh, we're on vacation. We're having a good time. It was a destination place. And they would act a fool. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, and I, but I always tried to stay even. Like, uh, was it Patrick Swayze and Roadhouse. I don't even know if you've ever seen that movie, but he was very even keeled. What's that? Can't say I have seen it, but I recognize the actor's name. Right. Patrick Swayze, you know, he's long gone now, but uh, certainly he had a movie called Roadhouse where he played a, a bouncer and he kept his cool, even though people were acting a fool. All right. Well, I'm sorry that you had that, that problem. Uh, you know, uh, first of all, uh, not being able to play in a charity gig. It's a charity gig. Come on, kids. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I enjoy playing my charity gigs and, and relay for life is definitely one, you know, anything, anything to, to stomp out cancer. I hate that stuff. Don't want it. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm, I'm four square against it. All right. So, mm. you know, you got family, uh, pushing you along, helping you out. Uh, you got sisters, uh, one, one sister that's, uh, you know, in the theater, I guess that that's kind of cool. That kind of helps you uh, through it, it, do, do you get any tips from the theater uh, sister or the other sisters um, she is my youngest sister um and she likes to give me tips on like aesthetics and stuff that's what she's into so not as much in the theater part just because it's two very different styles but she's like very into like film aesthetics and camera aesthetics and making short videos and so she always gives me tips in that aspect. That's cool. Does she handle the camera sometimes? Um, never for me, only for herself. Oh, she's an influencer or aspiring to be an influencer. <laughs> and then the other sister, mm -hmm. what is she into? Pardon? The middle sister, what's she into? Oh, she does basketball. She is literally the most chill human ever. She's just like there. She's very go with the flow type of person. Yeah, I like that. It's good to have somebody like that in your life kind of keeps you grounded and then you being the extrovert you know I, I guess I was the oldest of of three uh, you know I, I had a half brother and a stepsister so you know I had to guide them along a little bit mm -hmm. now do you find yourself guiding your sisters along or did, are they pretty much uh, different people now they have minds of their own I try to guide them but they don't always care about my advice it's not even that they don't take my advice they're just like I don't care which is fair enough I mean they're doing great so far so yeah 
I mean, no, no accolades. I mean, the first people that you tap on whenever you're trying to get a new project off the ground usually is your family. It's nice to have family yeah. that backs you up. And I, you know, I know mom and dad for sure. You, you, you've already stated that they back you up, but your sisters do, you know, that that's the other people that are probably going to uh, be with you for the rest of your life. You know, the people that will back you up more often than not, it's good to have family that's tight, you know, but do you, do you guys get into trouble uh, together or do you go off and do things? What, what do you like to do for fun? They definitely do. Um, they're a lot closer than age than I am with them. I'm the oldest by, I think, four years. Um, and then they're only a year apart. So um, we're all super close. Like that being said, we're all pretty close, but they do a lot of more stuff like together because both of their best friends are also sisters. So they'll do stuff in bigger groups. And I'm just like, I'm not going. <laughs> okay. I mean, besides music, what, what do you do with your besties and your, your pals? What do you get into? I don't even know anymore because of COVID, but really just hanging out at each other's houses and like, going um around town there's a lot of like lately what we've been doing is hitting a lot of the quarries and the um swimming holes around the um, like well and around the area and finding new places to go because like i said we're not close to any lakes the great lakes are the closest they're all minimum an hour drive probably more and so like we just try to find like swimming holes type of thing and go explore that. Man, that's some good kid stuff right there. I remember in, in Fort Lauderdale, yeah. we had quarries. I, I, I lived about a half a, an hour away from the, from the beach, you know, more in, <laughs> inland in Florida. But, uh, you know, we had our share of quarries and our parents always instilled in us that don't go swimming in a quarry. It's dangerous. Did you actually go swimming in a quarry? Um, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes. One of them, my sisters just went to. Um, there's like, but then the police have caught on. A lot of more people have been going, which sucks because now the police are on to it and they're showing up and it's trespassing, which fair enough. I guess it is. So you have to give them that. But um, I know of a few non-trespassing places that not many other people know of in my area. So I tend to go there. But I'd be scared of um, quarry diving in Florida. Cause what if there's gators? That's I right. would be horrified. Oh, you're absolutely correct. You know, and I, I, I don't think I've ever swam in a quarry, but we did play in around quarries. I had, uh, a, I had an all-terrain vehicle, a three-wheeler and my buddies had, uh, um, you know, motorcycles and I encourage, man, I'm so glad that you play outside. That's something that, that children aren't doing, uh, too often. They stay inside and they play on their phones and on their video games. And I'm one to talk. Now I'm getting back into video games. But, you know, that's a whole nother story. But people, you know, I think the kids that are playing outside, any kids that grow up playing outside are probably their immune systems are a whole lot better. So being in the time that we are. Yeah, I, I've used gas station bathrooms. I, I think I'm pretty much immune to yeah. any any diseases, any covid. Yeah. For those that <laughs> go ahead. I Florida like right before COVID exploded because we got to Florida, we drove. Oh. And by the time we arrived, that was when social media just like flipped from nobody was talking about COVID to everyone was talking about COVID. And three days later, like three days into our trip, that was when they were like, borders are shutting down soon. 
blah, 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 blah. Like everything's going like closed. And we were like, oh my God, we have to drive back and finding a place to go to the bathroom. Impossible. <laughs> Absolutely, man. The, the, the truck drivers, I, I've been hearing stories about that, that they can't go in and wash their hands or, or use the restroom anywhere. So you, you, was that a family trip? You drove down, I'm guessing I-95 all the way down. What part of Florida did you go to? We went to Orlando um, and then we went to Crystal Beach. Did you go for Disney so, World or, or Universal Studios? What, what were you going for? That was the goal, but it closed the day after we got there. So lame. I, I'm so sad. All I've wanted my whole life was to go to Harry Potter World. This was finally my chance. I was finally going. I was so excited. And then it closed. And that was the first. So, and that was the first time you went to Disney World. Third for me. Um, it would have been the second for my sisters. But we didn't go. We went to Disney World. We didn't go to Universal when we went back in 2015. Yeah. So this was like we were going to go to Universal instead of Disney. It was going to be great. And then I was going to get to live out my Harry Potter dreams finally and then it just didn't happen so lame okay i have a 14 year old daughter she's read all the harry potter uh books and then she tried to start watching the movies and the eyes harry potter's eyes took her right out of the film she couldn't watch the movies have you read the books uh-huh a hundred times over harry's eyes are supposed to be green and then daniel radcliffe not blue blue and that little detail that I think is a small detail took her right out of the film. But what did you think of the film? I loved the films, but I feel like I just love anything Harry Potter related. Do you know what your, your daughter's house sign is? Is she a Gryffindor? A Hufflepuff? You don't know. Nope. Okay. I think I, okay. I saw half of the first movie. Now one movie that I did check out recently and it has changed my life in a, in a major way is Hamilton. How many times have you seen Hamilton? Do you have Disney Plus? My sister does. All right, let's end this podcast right now. Go watch Hamilton. No, I'm kidding. Oh my God. Do I need to see it? Oh, it's, well, okay. Two schools of thought. All right. I've seen it. Now every song is in my head, running through my head. It's like Frozen for big kids. Okay. Every song is, oh, yeah. It's in my head. All, I've seen it four times in two weeks. And I'm about to see it more. Watch it. So yes, and, and 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 all the songs will be stuck in your head, and you will hate me forever and ever because I, I you should not have seen this film, but see this film. It's a wonderful film. Huh. Yeah, I was in New York when it was on Broadway, but we I was with my choir, so obviously budgets is a little bit small to go to Hamilton on Broadway in prime season. So we went to go see Something Rotten, which is about Shakespeare, and it was hilarious. It was so funny. Well, t- tell me about that. Your experiences with the theater, I, you, using this this vocals that you have, these um, you know, these wonderful uh, vocals that you and, and I'm guessing. Okay, I'm guessing you you said you've had this teacher that has has taught you. How long have you been going to that teacher to kind of uh, hone your skills? Ten years. Ten years, and do you feel mm-hmm. from? I mean, do you have recordings from back then that you can listen back to and go? Ooh, I have made progress. Was it worth it? Oh, 100%. Because she taught me so much about vocal technique that I 100% would not think about if she didn't instill it in me from such a young age. 
She taught me like about how to take proper care of your vocal cords, like when you're doing the wrong thing, how to feel it instantly, how to switch it. Like she was very, very big on technique. So it was, it was amazing. Like it was so helpful. Well, I get to DJ at karaoke shows almost every Friday night. And this Saturday I'll be doing another one on Saturday night, but uh, you know, and I, and I listen to people sing and you know, karaoke shows, they're hit and miss, but for the most part, People sound pretty good. I got, you know, the magic microphones I, and I could put a little echo on them to make them sound more full. And I have, I even have my own a list of songs from the eighties that I, I kind of stumble through, but I, I really have no technique. You know, what is singing from your diaphragm and how many octaves can you sing in? Cause I mean, you're okay. I'm buttering your bread. You're amazing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, what skills have you uh, learn to hone from going to a singing teacher? Oh God, so much. Like, I mean, it's hard to condense everything into like a few key things. Um, drop your, okay. I need to pronounce this right. Drop your jaw. Tongue goes. Yeah, exactly. Drop your jaw. Tongue is relaxed, but forward. I don't know for the people who are listening, they won't be able to see this. And for the people that are watching, they might be grossed out, but like, <laughs> I don't know if you can see, but my tongue is behind my front teeth and then, um, soft palate up, which your hard palate is what's behind your teeth. And then if you take your tongue and go back, you can feel where it changes. Your soft palate is that. And when you're singing or even when you're talking, it needs to be raised in order to have better technique. So that's just a few of the things thinking of your vocal cords, they're shaped really ugly. They're so disgusting, but they're very delicate and when you're singing you want the tips of your like the top tip and the bottom tip of your vocal cords to be touching and you only need to use a little bit you don't need to slap your vocal cords you don't want to slap your vocal cords I mean, what, so is, run down. what does that all do for you having the tongue up or is, does that help air flow it provides the least amount of strains strain on your vocal cords possible and um you don't want any strain on your vocal cords because they are very delicate. And if you're using them super frequently, so like for you as a broadcaster and for me as a singer, we're obviously both using our voices quite a bit and it's easy for your vocal cords like any other muscle to get tired out. So this way, if you're singing using proper technique and you're not overusing it, they're warmed up and you aren't slapping your vocal cords together, it'll maintain your voice for longer. You can sing better you sound better, you can sing for longer periods of time, and your voice will age slower. Well, I know I drink a lot of tea, and I, I don't smoke. I've never smoked, you know, and, and I think that that's helped to keep my voice in check, and, and I try not to yell. I don't yell. Uh, even when I get kind of frustrated, I want to yell, but I don't yell, you know. I, yeah, same way. Uh, and, but uh, what is your, your regimen? Uh, how often were you gigging before? COVID-19 uh, came at us. How often were you gigging in a year last year? Like I would do like four, five gigs a month, which doesn't sound like a lot, That's but a when lot. you're a full-time student, it was a lot. Like what kind of gigs? Are you going to clubs or, or restaurants and playing in a corner with a guitar or piano? All of the above, you know, um, house concerts, clubs, pubs, a lot of pubs, um, like coffee shops, just background noise at breweries, um, private events, corporate events. That was mainly what I was doing. 
Excellent. Excellent. And, you know, and, you know, every, every wedding needs a good singer, uh, you know? Mm-hmm. So yes, I, mean, I, I, I love all of those events that you just mentioned. I enjoy being the DJ that, that's playing the music, but I'm so jealous of the people that actually play the music that I am playing, uh, you know, electronically on my two digital wheels of steel. You know. I am so impressed by like DJs because you just have the ability to get everybody in the room, like into a mood instantly and they love it. And like, I feel like DJs can read a room so well. It's like, unlike anyone else. Oh, so, okay. You butter my know. bread. I appreciate that a little bit, you know, but, but certainly, you know, having a live musician there that is also reading the crowd, getting the energy. There's always energy that flows back and forth. More vo- more people in the room, more energy comes at you. And I mean, as a performer, you got to feel good when you're sitting there and people are just like swaying along with the music. Are you playing a lot of covers or are you playing your own originals? It really depends on how I'm feeling that day. Like in the, the crowd, like you said, like you have to read them. So if they're not paying attention, I will do like a full set of originals because they're not paying attention anyway. And I'm just getting my songs out there. And for the people that do listen, they like it, then I can hear from them. But, um, for covers, I like to do those quite often because people love songs that they recognize and they like knowing the song, hearing a different version of it. So that's why I love covers. Well, you're giving people gems once again, you know, somebody who who's learning, you know, trying learning music and maybe, wanting to make that their profession for the rest of their life, you can be a working musician. Uh, you know, you can play covers and be in a party band and, and still have the desire that you want to have, you know, play your own music. Like you go to a, a bar or, or a pub, I guess, a, a restaurant, and 80% they're playing covers, but somewhere in the middle of that set, you'll say, you'll ask, and usually the answer is yes. Hey, do you want to hear something original? And then they'll, yeah. the, usually the, they're, they're pretty respect, receptive. I mean, when you play the originals, I mean, do you feel better? I mean, this is something that you've, a baby that you've put into the world, you know, and the response that you're getting, how do you feel when somebody says something, you know, about your original song? I feel very connected to them. And I feel very like in the moment, um, connected to the song as well. So I just, I love doing originals. Except for when, oh, and the other good thing, actually, not even except for when, if you mess up the words while doing an original, nobody's going to know. Never. No. Never. <laughs> so, actually, if it's unreleased, like, there's no way of anyone knowing. Like, my dad will be like, you switched up the words. And I'm like, it's improv. Like, no, I just forgot. Yeah, like La Bamba. You know, the, the Mexicans uh, sing La Bamba in many, many different ways. And I think there's songs that are made like that. But, yeah. you know, since that first song, that you wrote and sang at seven years old. Mm-hmm. And I mean, th- those recordings are gone forever. You think your dad took that recording and put it on Google and it's gone. It's gone. Okay. I but, wish I could it. but since that first song, I mean, how, I mean, do you write a poem first or do you think of the melody first or how do you write a song? I am a very melody driven writer. So I like to start with, um, a melody before I get into anything else. And that is usually how I write with a melody and like one phrase. So that's usually how I go. Oh, that is fantastic. So how many original songs do you have in your, in your back pocket, all produced and ready to go? Produced and ready to go. I have about 10. Wow. Um, 
not produced and just written and in the cycle like i have hundreds i don't even know i forget half of them now but still to have those 10 those 10 little babies that you have out there in the world where can people listen to those those 10 out there um actually more than 10 now that i realize i can't do math which i should have known but um they're spotify um youtube my website i have links um on my website for even unreleased songs that you can listen to exclusively on my website. So that is www.mikaelinmusic.com. Mikaelinmusic.com. Now for those that are watching the video, and of course I'm going to put all this in the show notes, but if they're watching the video, your name is right there underneath your face. <laughs> Mikaelin Hay right there. <laughs> so, uh, uh, what other, uh, social media do you want people to chase you around on? Um, you can find me on any of the platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, YouTube at McKaylin Music. Uh, have you branded McKaylin Music for almost everything? Yeah, pretty much. Excellent. At this point, yeah. Well, that's the easy way to find you. Excellent. So look up McKaylin Music because I, I have McKaylin Hay under there right now. But McKaylin Music, mm -hmm. look that up everywhere. If you're you know watching the video, hey, you get to see her right there. But uh, yeah. but if you're listening to the audio, I'd appreciate you to uh, get on your social media and chase her down right now. All right, so we're we're making a a little, I guess, a, a time capsule of things that are happening today. We pretty much know how you got here. You, you've been pushed in this direction. You've uh, strived to get in this direction from an early age, from from a a little baby McKaylin singing doo -da -loo -ra -loo -ra. And I know I'm not doing it right. People just went, ow, my ears hurt. No, that was beautiful. And, uh, but you know, from then until now, uh, you know, after, all right, we're in the middle of this novel COVID coronavirus, COVID-19, all right, pandemic. Yeah. I hate it. I hate it. Uh, you know, that we're stuck indoors primarily. And it, it hasn't, it's hit the, the musicians probably the hardest. Are, are, how are you making it through? Are, are you doing any of these live takeovers? That's something that I just heard about very recently. Somebody took over my, my Facebook page and I thought that was pretty yeah. cool. So 3000 extra fans for them, hopefully. Mm -hmm. I've been doing a lot of takeovers and those are my favorite because you get to meet new people and you get new song requests. And that's one of my favorite things because I like to know what people want to hear. So I love doing takeovers, but I'm actually really, really fortunate. Um, Canada has this thing called the Canada Summer Jobs Program, and they basically give out grants to like different companies, co-ops, whatever, to have summer job program that runs, obviously, for the duration of the summer. So I got a job with the Ontario Musicians Cooperative, and that is a like 30 hours a week full-time job watching um learning about the industry learning about your epks bios um filing taxes as a musician registering your business so during the day i am in workshops and i'm working with other artists who are in ontario and then during the night they are live streaming so i get paid to live stream um a couple times a week on their channel I, I so think it, yeah, I think we're gonna have some musicians moving to Canada just for that. My goodness, that's wonderful. Amazing. Yeah, you're learning. Some creatives have been messed up by the music business and the film industry, for that matter. Any entertainers have been messed up because 
They don't know the business side. You know, you think, oh, sign here. I'm going to make you a star. Oh, yeah, okay, I'll sign there. And they've signed away all their rights, all their likenesses, all their merchandising. And maybe the, the company will give them just a little, a little bit, even though you've done all the hard work. But you're learning that while you're making a living, keeping a roof over your head. That's beautiful. I, I, I know I'm not supposed to ask. How old a person are you? I'm 18. 18 years old. And you've done so much already. I mean, are the parents going to uh, show you the door, get out the house? or you know, I'm actually moving out in September for school. What? So I'm showing myself the door, I guess. <laughs> what are you going to be when you grow up? What are you studying in school? I'm studying popular music. Um, it's uh, it's at a school in London, Ontario. It's called Western and Western University. I'm studying um, Bachelor of Arts major in popular music studies. I went to Western High School in Davie, Florida. Yeah, Fort yeah. Lauderdale. <laughs> Go Western. <laughs> our our uh, unofficial class song was West End Girls by the Pet, oh, Pet Shop nice. Boys. And because it sounded like Western girls, oh, okay, yeah. West, you know, so yeah, you could probably introduce that. I want you, I want to hear a cover by uh, McKaylin Hay, uh, uh, McKaylin Music. Uh, I love that song. West and girls, yeah, and, and it's electronica, so extra uh, uh, could help you. <laughs> exactly. Fantastic. All right, I've taken a lot of your time, and I appreciate you so much for coming on the What Makes You Famous podcast. My my little podcast and hopefully you get some more viewers, some more listeners, some more people, uh, you know, get, uh, getting the, the word about you out there. Any other avenues? Oh, we, uh, so you're, I mean, you're right off to school. Uh, is it going to be, uh, it's not going to be at home learning. It's not going to be uh, distance learning or it's going to be in, in uh, person. It's mixed. So I believe music students and nursing students can be in person, which is like, yes, a win for the music students, finally. Um, so we're going to be like doing classes because the class sizes are pretty small and just for tutorials, they can spread those out throughout the week. So I got my residence and I feel super old and <laughs> yeah. No, I'm hearing guidelines for people that, that are playing music, you know, the scientists are, are getting into the gigs, uh, uh, no more than 30 minutes. Uh, you know, if you're going to wear, uh, you know, if you're a wind instrument, you should have a mask on with a little slit so you can play your wind instrument. I, I don't think any of these guidelines are going to be adhered to all that much, but stay vigilant, keep yourself safe. You know? Exactly. No. Um, I don't think I'll be back gigging in person for a really long time, which of course makes me sad, but you know, I have people in my family that are immunocompromised and my, like some of my best friends, their families are immunocompromised. So at the end of the day, I'll do anything I can to keep them safe. And if that means doing lives instead of actual in-person live, then that's fine by me. Yeah. I'm back doing karaoke shows. I mean, wiping the mics after every singer, mm -hmm. uh, the stage is 12 feet away from the nearest table. People are wearing masks mm -hmm. as they, as they come into the club. They can pull the mask down if they want to take a drink or have some food, but put the mask back up if you're going to walk around or interact with people. So stay vigilant. Keep safe. Yeah. No, we're the same way right now. I think restaurants and stuff are open. Music isn't quite, but like tattoo parlors are open. I got a tattoo today. What you get? Like this we're, morning. Wait, wait. Can we see I, it or no? It's still wrapped. I'll show you so you can see the place. Oh my goodness. It's right there on the top of your back, right up to, on the neck. 
I mean, how much yeah, does that hurt? Was that the first tattoo? It, yeah, it is. It's my first tattoo. Ah, uh, what made you want to get a tattoo? Um, it's I have a story behind it. Please. Um, so my grandma, um, she basically raised me like the first um, like five six years of my life, and we've been super super close. Like she's always like I call her all the time, and back in February she was diagnosed with cancer. Um, she had three types of cancer. It was mainly in her esophagus. So it progressed super fast, like faster than any of us had ever seen coming. And unfortunately, July 7th of this year, she just passed away. And um, it was it was like my first big loss. And it was somebody that was super, super close to me. And at my grandma's house, everywhere you, in every room, she has angels. She loves angels. They're everywhere. And she, throughout her whole battle with cancer, called her grandkids, so me and my sisters and my cousin, um, her guardian angels. So I got these wings. For those of you, oh, I don't know if you'll be able to I see them. See They're on my Instagram, um, on the back of my neck, just to symbolize that she will always be with me because she is one of the most selfless, amazing people that I ever know. And I know that if she was here, she'd be watching this podcast because she watched every single thing of mine. So I know that she'd be watching and I just kind of want a symbol that I want to be like her and I want her with me for the rest of my life. So that's the story behind the tattoo. You are keeping your grandma forever and ever alive forever Mm -hmm. and ever. That is fantastic. That's how we keep the people alive, remembering them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. I've I've wanted a yin yang in the middle of my back since I was 17 years old. I'm 51. You know what I have on my back? Nothing. Nada. It no tattoos. It genuinely did not hurt a bit. Like <laughs> I was, I was so worried it was going to hurt, and it was fine. It's like mild discomfort. The <laughs> worst part was having to stay in a position for two hours. Genuinely, that was the worst part. At this point, I'm probably never going to get a tattoo, but I admire tattoos. I I look at them. I think they're so cool. They're adorning you know it's just and that and that tattoo in particular is as a symbol it's it has meaning it's keeping your grandma's memory alive forever that's fantastic that was a nice tribute for her and i think that's uh where we can wind down the podcast usually i finish these things off and i don't want this to be the last time we talk i as yeah as time progresses and you're you're you start getting uh you know more things under your belt i want to hear more about you as time progresses but usually I finish these things off with last words for the people. And now these can be, you know, words that you live by, something that you heard, you know, as you were growing up and something that you live by, or it could be whatever pops into your head at this moment in time. McKaylin, hey, last words for the people. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> I'm so bad with this stuff. I guess whatever you want to do and whatever you're passionate about, go all in because if and when you succeed, which you eventually will, it won't be like work for you. It'll be you've made your passion into something that you can do all the time. So those, I guess, are words that I live by and why I go with music. But before I leave, I just wanted to say a huge, huge thank you to you for having me on here. Um, I love doing podcasts like this because it feels like I'm having like just a conversation with a friend and getting to know someone. So I would love to come back whenever you'll have me because I had a lot of fun. Well, there you have it, party people. McKaylin Hay. McKaylin 
music. Yes, I believe she's branded that everywhere. Follow her. Stalk that girl. Find out more about her music. Yeah, that's what I like to do with these podcasts is learn more about the people before and now, you know, how they became who they are. So now we've learned a little bit more about who McKaylin was and now is and where she's going. My goodness, she's not stopping. You know, this is the kind of person she is. Once she puts her mind to doing something, she wants to be the best at it. And, you know, I know that's what I said, but then, you know, she's going to school in September, going to university to learn more about popular music, not just, uh, you know, talking the talk. She's walking the walk. If you're going to do it, do it right. Be the best. If you're going to do any job, be the best you can be at it. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, McKaylin, for being on the program. What makes you famous and telling a little bit of your story, giving us a little idea. I look forward to hearing more from you in the near, near future. Yeah, excellent. All right. Now I'm turning my attention to you. Yes, you, my loyal listener, my loyal viewer. If you would like to tell your story, I encourage you to give me a call at 501-470-6386 or email info at radiowhat.com. That's it for me. It's Keys Dan, RadioWhat.com, DJLittleRock.com. Peace. I'm out of here. If you like what you hear, follow What Makes You Famous social media. Use the hashtag What Makes You Famous. Follow on Facebook at What Makes You Famous. Follow on Instagram at What Makes You Famous. Follow on Twitter at Makes Famous. And follow on YouTube at Keys Dan. Leave What Makes You Famous podcast a review and subscribe. Listen to What Makes You Famous podcast on Podbean, iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, and almost anywhere you find podcasts. Tell your story on my podcast, What Makes You Famous. Call 501-470-6386 and leave a message to set up a time. You can support What Makes You Famous using the PayPal link, paypal.me forward slash keysdan. Email info at radiowhat.com. What Makes You Famous podcast is a production of Keys Dan Enterprises Incorporated at keysdan.com. Thank you for listening. Radio What, the music you want with some words to live by. Don't audit life. Show up and make the most of it now. A public service message from RadioWhat.com. The music you want. Hey, guys. This is Shelly G. She said, what? Well, you are going to have to listen to the countdown to hear what I say. And make sure to keep listening to Radio What for more information and trivia. She said, what? What?